0: We continue our series on the life of David. We're in 1 Samuel chapter number 17 today. 1 Samuel chapter number 17 for our text today as we'll be reading various parts out of that. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. When I worked on my uncle Ed's farm, I worked with a fellow named Big Carl. And we called him Big Carl because that's what he was. He was a big fella. He stood about six six and he wasn't fat, but he was big. I remember starting up the stairs once and he came down the stairs at the same time. Stairs were four foot wide, but I turned right around, went back down, because I know I'd never get by him on the stairs. If I was standing on the barn in the barn, uh, he would come and lean on me. Lean on me, he'd knock me right over. Uh, I learned that when he came towards me, I'd better move. Don't be standing there; <laughs> he's going to lean on you. Along with his big frame, he had a big voice to go with it. He was always screaming about something, and it kind of hurt your ears if you were close. He could yell that loud. Was no problem hearing him halfway down in the field when he got stuck with a tractor and started screaming. You could hear him way down in the field. He was so loud. Well, there's many stories about Big Carl I could tell. But today I wanted to tell you about the time when we were all sitting at the table. And Big Carl said, I want to go
1: see Mama.
0: So Uncle Ed agreed to take Big Carl to see his Mama. And Ed drove and I sat in the front. Big Carl was in the back seat. We drove for about 45 minutes we turned into a pasture actually, opened the gate, drove into a pasture and down a pathway, and off in the distance was a little house, more like a shack. And as we got closer, a woman stepped out the front door. And when she did, Big Carl started screaming right in your ears in the backseat Mama, Mama, Mama. And when I looked at her, I thought There's no doubt that's got to be Big Carl's mama. (laughs) Remember, she was wearing a leather skirt and a man's T-shirt. And Uncle Ed said it best. He said it would be easier to jump over her than go around her. (laughs) Just then I saw a fella coming out the front door, and I noticed he had to bend his head over to get through the door. Now, most doors are 80 inches, which is 6 feet and 8 inches. This fellow was 4 or 5 inches more than all that, over 7 foot. And he came through the door. He was as skinny as a rail. And Big Carl saw him and started screaming, Hey, look, there's Tiny. (laughs) So he got out of the car, and they had a reunion, Mama and Tiny and Big Carl. That was quite a trio. Big people, big people. Some people have a genetic code that makes them grow big. And that family looked to me like one monster, one string bean, and big, big mama there. In our text today, we're going to meet another big fella. Now, last week, we saw a stark contrast. King Saul. A man abandoned by God and a teenage boy, David, anointed by God. And David played harp music for Saul because he was so miserable and bad temper. But apparently it didn't last long. Because when we begin chapter 17, the very next chapter, David is back tending sheep. Now the Philistine army has invaded Israel... So King Saul has gathered his army, went out to meet the Philistines. And the Philistines are camped on one mountain and the Israelites on another, and there's a valley that separates the two armies. Now, David's three older brothers have joined Saul's army. And Jesse, the father, wants to send food to those three sons in the army. So He gets David to carry food to his three older brothers. David's brothers still think he's a pain in the neck, insignificant little brother. So in 1 Samuel 17, we look at verse 28, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake to the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, Why camest thou down hither? With whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou had come down that thou shouldst see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Uh, David says, uh, I brought you food is why I came. He said, I came here to bring you food. So as he brings food to his brother, he hears a voice off in the distance. A loud voice off in the distance. A huge voice off in the distance. We look at verse 23. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Now, i got no doubt that Goliath had a big voice. If Carl could hurt your ears, I can't imagine what Goliath could do. And he could be heard all the way across the valley. And he's yelling loud and he yells in defiance. And What does he yell? It's in verse number 8. He stood and cried to the armies of Israel, said unto them, Why are you come to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight. And when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, They were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then down to verse number 16. And the Philistines drew near morning and evening. And presented himself 40 days. So for 40 days this Goliath has been challenging the Israelites, bellering out across the valley, and everybody's scared to the death. Now the Israelites in their camp do have a big man. His name? King Saul. The Bible says that King Saul stood head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. He's probably close to seven foot tall himself. But he's scared to death to go face Goliath. Now, my friends, you can't quite imagine what this Goliath is really like. And just let's see how big he is. I'm in verse number four. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass on his legs, a target of brass between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. Goliath is nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine you know. If I go up to that shelf right there, that sticks out there, that's nine feet to the floor. So if Goliath was standing here, he's looking in upstairs at those people. He's nine inches taller than that shelf. And so right about there would be the top of his head if he was standing next to me. He's a big fella. (laughs) He's a big fella. And that's not all. That's not all. I mean, that's amazing, but that's not all. He's got a coat of mail. It's armor, and it's made from brass. They take little pieces of brass and string it together. And so when it hangs on you, it looks like uh, fish scales. Rows and rows of brass. Covers his whole torso all the way up over his shoulders. And uh, it weighs about 170 pounds. Now, here's a guy who carries around 170 pounds of armor like it's nothing. If you put 170 pounds on your body, I'm pretty sure you won't be strutting around. You'll be lucky if you can stagger. And he's also got brass covering his legs. He's got a helmet of brass on his head, and he has brass all over his back. And he walks around covered in brass. He is phenomenally strong. Phenomenally strong, carrying a couple hundred pounds is nothing to him. His spear is about five feet long, and the head of it has just the head of his spear weighs twenty pounds. Now that's the size of this. This pumpkin weighs seventeen pounds. So the head of his spear weighs more than this pumpkin. Right? That's If I was going to throw that, I couldn't get over the end, you know. He's got it on the end of a spear. And uh, if you think of a spear, you think of a sleek, light weapon that you can throw at your target. His spear's so heavy, you didn't even throw it. But he can. He can send it flying through the air like a guided missile. Yes, he is an impressive nine foot, nine inches tall. But his physical strength is much more impressive. He is a force to be reckoned with. And for 40 days, he's been challenging the armies of Israel. Everybody's scared to death of him. But David, as he arrives at camp, has a whole different point of view. Verse number 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Let me do it. (laughs) Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth. He was a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, Thy servant kept thy father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear, took a lamb out of the flock. I went after him and smote him, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard, smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. So Saul's looking at himself all of that he's looking at this kid you can't fight with him if you want to at least wear my armor so david puts all his armor on and he takes it all back off he says it doesn't fit i can't wear that so verse 40 he took his staff in his hand chose him five smooth stones out of the brook put them in a shepherd's bag which he had even in a script. And then his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, David knows the old stories out of the Bible. He's read them his whole life. He understands them. He read about Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Samson, men who went to war, fought against great odds, and with God's help they won. The fall of Jericho. Under Joshua, he's read about it. Gideon and his brave 300 men, he's read about it. Samson killing a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And David said, God help me kill a bear and a lion. Certainly I can take this old Philistine. After all, he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, Saul and his men saw this giant who has incredible strength. But after all, Goliath relies on what we call the arm of flesh, physical strength. And that's all he's got. Now my friends, how often do we face in life great challenges? Do we face Huge obstacles in life. We face life situations that could easily overcome us. Easily. And sometimes we live in fear. And sometimes we struggle. And we don't see that we have a God who can help us. Who can encourage us. Who can deliver us. Do you trust God to solve your problems? you trust god to solve your problems sometimes i go to god and i tell him i don't know what to do help me i don't know what to do and he does goliath has been shouting across the valley for 4 days no 40 days nobody's done a thing nobody has a plan no courage No faith. And to be honest with you, they sure don't act like the armies of the living God, do they? But here's a clue. God doesn't need an army. God can use one man. Totally dedicated to himself. a great famous preacher who said the world has yet to see what God could do with one man totally dedicated to himself. One man who wants to do the will of God. The army of Israel is shaking in their boots. And here's a boy with a plan. Now David, we talked about it last week, has a wonderful quality. He won't give up. He keeps trying. He's been practicing. Practice makes perfect. But this time he's practicing with a slingshot. Now this is the old-fashioned kind, not the ones we use on old-fashioned day where we're poking at Goliath with gumballs. That's not what it is. It's a pouch with two strings on the end. And you put a stone in the pouch and you swing the slingshot and you release one string and the stone flies away. Now, I have tried one of those slingshots. And the stone sent, and ended up somewhere way out in the field, I don't know where. Very difficult to use one of those things and hit a target. But David's been Practicing. Now notice, he picks up five stones. I wonder if he thought he might miss. (laughs) It's a real hard thing to use. Why does he pick up five stones? Verse 42. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he's but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog? You come to me with a stick. Philistine cursed David by his dogs. Philist gods and Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. David is carrying his staff, uh, the same one he uses when he tends sheep. It's a and Goliath said, hey, what am I, a dog, he bring a stick after me? Come to me with a stick and he curses him in the name of his God, Dagon. You've heard me talk about that Dagon before, remember? He's half man and half fish. We said his brain was the fish part, all right? not too, Nothing to worry about. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear, with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. I will smite thee, take thine head from thee, and give the carcass to the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. They say, "God doesn't save with a spear and a sword. And that's all you've got, by the way. <laughs> but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. you've got big muscles and big weapons. And I got God. And this is so that everyone will know there is a God in Israel. So my friends, let I ask you, is David confident in himself? Or is he confident in God? Did he pick up five stones? Yes. But David has a plan. Don't get near that big monster. <laughs> no hand-to-hand combat with that big, huge thing. Stay away from Goliath let's use a slingshot verse 48 came to pass when the philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet david david hastened ran towards the army to meet the philistine and david put his hand in his bag took hence a stone and slang it smote the philistine in the forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead And he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. David's practice made him a good shot. Was there any supernatural assistance from God? Well, it does say the stone sunk into Goliath's head. I'm thinking that was a pretty hard head. And maybe a little extra push. Sunk that stone in. Or maybe God makes that rock fly true right to its target. The point is faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. David believed and God saw him through. And he hit him with a stone in the head. So what lesson do we learn from this story of David and Goliath? How does it work? How does it work? David gave himself to God, and he loved God, and he determined to serve God. The question is, who is he? He's a shepherd boy. He's taken care of sheep up through his teenage years. He's still a teenager. But he gave God whatever he had. He had a harp. And God and David used the harp to write the most famous music ever written, the Book of Psalms. And he had a slingshot. So he's got a harp and a slingshot. And God used David, and David used it to kill Goliath. God can use what you have if you give yourself to him. You say, what can I do for God? My friends, you got something that God can use. With your mouth, with the words you say, you can tell others about Jesus. With your hands, you can help somebody who needs help. With the love in your heart, you can touch some lost soul and someone who needs your help. Give him what you've got and he can use it. It was David's slingshot that God used to overcome the whole army. The whole army. Now, as we come to the end of the story, remember, David said to King Saul, I killed a lion and a bear, and I'll kill that giant. So Saul gave David his armor, and David tried it on, took it off, refused it. And then he went out of Saul's tent, to kill Goliath. And Saul. What does he do? Verse number 55. When Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine. He said to Abner the captain of the host. Abner whose son is this you? Abner said as my soul liveth O king I cannot tell. The king said inquire thou whose son the stripling is. He said, who, who is that? He just talked to him, and hey, "Who's that kid out there? Who's that kid? Talk about out of the loop, huh? Saul doesn't know what God is doing. He doesn't know how God behaves. He can't see the obvious. He can only see his own little world and his own little problems. And when he focuses on his own selfish ideas, he gets miserable and melancholy and bad-tempered. My friends, don't be like Saul. Don't be self-centered. Open your eyes and look to see what God is doing. Stay focused on God and on God's plans. Learn to see God's hand as it removes the obstacles in our life. David stood up for God. And when Goliath defied God, David took it personally. And he did something about it. May God help us to stand up for Jesus. And be counted as one of his followers. And to give what we have to serve the Lord. So David killed a muscle-bound giant because that old giant defied God. May we stand up for Jesus in a world that we live in today that so often defies God regularly. God bless you as you give God what you have. Shall we pray, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of David and what he did here. We think how amazing it is that he stood up all by himself, but we know that he was with God and he was a one-man army with David and God. So help us, be not afraid to stand up even if it's all by ourselves, and be counted as one of God's servants that we might do the will of God, whatever it might be, believe in you with all our heart that you can take on the obstacles we face, no matter how big and powerful they are. Bless us, Lord, as we trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn books to number 369. In closing, 369, standing as we sing, page 369, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. 369. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. 369. Stand up for Jesus.
1: Up for Jesus, his soldiers on the cross live by his royal banner. It must not suffer. Jesus, the trumpet, all obey, for the mighty conflict, in this is glorious day, neither are men now serving against unnumbered foes, let her rejoice the danger and strength to strength of Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone, the arm of bliss will fail you. He cannot trust your own, but on the gospel of The strife will not be on This day the noise of battle, the name, the victor's song. To him that overcometh a crown of life shall be with the King of glory shall reign. Eat pearl our head for a word of prayer. Dear kind Heavenly
0: Father, we want to stand up for you in a world that defies you. Help us to do that by serving you, taking what we have, Lord, and using it for you. Bless us as we do that, as we work in your kingdom, that we might stand up for you. Bless us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.